It's the Concrete Radio Podcast, episode 36, Conspiracy Theories. What are they? The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a conspiracy theory as an event or a set of circumstances as the result of a secret plot by powerful conspirators. Or, simply put, the theory is certain that a secret of great importance is being kept from the public. When we think of conspiracy theories, we think of the Illuminati's plot to take over the world and shape-shifting reptilians made famous by David Icke. The moon landing was in fact a fiction. The UFO crashing at Roswell and many more. Now, depending on who you ask, conspiracy theories are just that, theories. But what happens when a conspiracy theory is highly coincidental? Join us as we unpack three key events that impacted the U.S. and triggered the minds of those so-called conspiracy theorists who are looking for the truth. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. Stay tuned. Concrete Radio Podcast, episode 36. My name is OG Eastwood. In case you're joining me for the very first time, I want to give a big shout out to everyone that's been consistent because I sure haven't. I apologize for that. But guess what? I'm back in the building once again, man. Listen, if you weren't able to catch the previous episodes, you can always catch me on the website, theconcreteradiopodcast.com. That's still up and running. All the previous episodes are archived in on the website rather so you could just click on the tab where you can view all episodes and make sure you check in that way and always you can send me an email og eastwood at the concrete podcast.com send me a message and i'm always looking for any suggestions or anything that you like for me to bring to to the light shed some light on but today we have a really really special episode so make sure you stick around with for that as mentioned we will be talking about conspiracy theories now Just to be clear, when I'm talking about conspiracy theories, I'm not talking about the UFO landings and Illuminati's plot to take over the world and all these shape-shifting reptilians and all these things, as I mentioned before in the intro. We're talking about normal, everyday things that happened or that occurred in the past that normal people question on a day-to-day. So this definitely is an episode you don't want to miss. Stick around for that. Also, I want to give a quick uh, shout out once again to all those that's been tuning in. I did notice a trend in uh, downloads within the past week when I was out. My downloads kept going up. So it's evident that everyone is sharing the podcast and helping me grow. So I truthfully appreciate that. So thank you for sticking by my side. I also have um, something coming up in the works that I'm considering. I'm thinking about doing a Another podcast, but more of a pop culture driven uh, situation. So that's going to mostly focus on sports, music, that type of thing. So uh, stick around for that. That's still in the works. There's been a lot that's been happening within this past few weeks. Now, we've seen Kanye and Kyrie. They got killed by the media. Uh, Kanye, of course, you know, he's been on on his whole tirade with um, the Jews. And I'm normally a supporter of Kanye West, but he totally threw me for a loop when he said something along the line of Hitler was actually a cool guy. You completely lost me with that. I mean, I'm just saying, man. 
And to top it all off, it's been talks as well that Adidas is willing to work with Kanye. So we'll see how far that goes. As far as Kyrie Irving, he made his statements, uh, which were deemed anti-Semitic. He ended up leaving Brooklyn. Now he's down in Dallas and KD left Brooklyn. Now he's out in Phoenix. And now the whole Brooklyn Nets experiment has blew up. It exploded. If you have been listening to me for quite some time, you know that I am a Brooklyn Nets fan, um, being a Brooklyn native as well. I mean, I have to root for the home team, but we'll see what happens. Hey, either way, I don't turn my back. I'm a loyal guy, so I'm still looking at the Nets. I think they're still in playoff contention, but the focus is currently on the West. The West is tearing it up right now. But anyway... Enough of the sports talk. We're going to get into um, what we really came here for. This story that occurred uh, a few weeks back where the five friends traveled out to Mexico. One of the females went out there. She went to go get a tummy tuck. And only three of them made it back. Now, the reason why I'm saying five, everyone knows about the four that went. But there were originally a last female that wasn't able to cross the border. I guess she had some situation going on with her passport. So she had to stay in the U.S. at a hotel or something like that. So four of the friends were able to make it across the border. They got kidnapped by a Mexican cartel. Two was killed. The remaining two was alive. They made it out and they returned home to tell their story. Now, me, when I hear certain things, I think about every possibility of a certain news story. I know how mainstream media can be sometimes. And with a lot of these media companies, what they do is that depending on your political affiliation, they talk about news stories that will cater to your interest and sort of manipulate you in that way, right? I get it. I understand that's how they make their ratings or what have you. But me listening to this story, first of all, friends are not three men will not accompany one female that's going to Mexico, Cuba, Brazil, or wherever it is outside the country to do a cosmetic surgery. That's just, that just doesn't sound right. I mean, I have a couple of female friends and I have my male friends as well. And we've all known each other since high school. I don't know if we will accompany them to another country as they get a cosmetic procedure done. It's just not something that men would typically do. Normally, you would hit up your girlfriends and say, hey, girl, I'm going here, I'm going there. You know, why don't you come with me? Or that type of thing. It's you. That's usually a girl's trip. Not too many men would join a female unless it's a significant other, a girlfriend, a wife, a fiance, or what have you. But friends normally won't do that. Interestingly enough, it turned out that these friends went with this young lady over to Mexico. Looks like everyone had prior drug charges or a criminal history that involves drugs. So that alone makes it even more suspicious. They were kidnapped by a Mexican cartel. The cartel killed two, as I mentioned. And then for some reason, in an odd twist of events, Rather than the cartels dealing with these fellow cartel members in-house, and I think you know what I mean, typically anyone from a big gang or organization or criminal enterprise or what have you does something that's against the grain or that wasn't ordered, 
they normally wouldn't make it out alive. But instead, these cartel folks decided to go the civilian way and called the cops and turned them in. Now, the story is still going on. And it's, it's just a very strange twist. The story just sounds crazy to me. But anyway, my condolences goes out to the family that lost the two uh, men in that situation. Hopefully, they're able to carry on. I know losing a loved one is definitely not an easy thing. So definitely, my heart goes out to those that were involved. Now, also, Joe Biden got into some issues the other day about having some classified documents in his home. Uh, Department of Justice, they're currently investigating the situation and they're going to see what's going to happen with Biden. And uh, as you know, this was the same thing that happened with Trump not too long ago where they found classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago state. Apparently with Biden, a lot of these documents that were found in his home and his private office may have been used before he became president. Now, at one point, the White House said that the search was over as, you know, they were trying to clean up the estate. But then it turned out that five more documents were found later. Now, that's a whole thing that Biden has to deal with. We'll see what happens with that. And then speaking of Trump, as I mentioned earlier, he apparently released a message on Truth Social, his social media account, stating that he was expecting to be arrested. And with that, he also said, like, hey, listen, stand up for me, hold me down, all my minions, you know what that means. I know a lot of people want him in jail. A lot of people don't. They support him. But we'll see how that goes. But either way, keep it locked. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. Stick around. I'm talking about these conspiracy theories. We have three major events that we are going to discuss later on in the program. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. Entertain, educate, and inform. Welcome back to the Concrete Radio Podcast. My name is OG Eastwood. Thank you for tuning in. Now, the 1960s played a huge part in molding America. During that time, teenagers went against the grain and broke societal norms by rebelling against the conservatism of the 50s. Women and black Americans were forced to fight for equality, which created two key movements of the decade, women's liberation and the civil rights movements. Throughout the decade, many unfortunate events unfolded. A failed Cuban invasion, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and five major assassinations. One assassination in particular has been under scrutiny and is still the face of controversy to this day. The assassination of our 35th president, John F. Kennedy. No doubt the Kennedys were one of the most successful families in America. The Klan had a stronghold on politics, but were also connected to an underworld which may have caused the so-called Kennedy curse. With John Sr.'s connection to the mob as well as their involvement in the government, it's easy to understand why there's been so many conspiracies behind the JFK assassination. But are these conspiracies or the result of the involvement of organized crime? In order for you to understand the whole JFK assassination and the mafia connections and the conspiracy theories that inv- that comes along with it, you first have to break down the actual events and the timeline. So now, November of 1963, JFK has been assassinated. After 60 years, right, the government is still holding the files 
of the JFK assassination. Now, in October of 1992, the JFK Records Act created to have all assassination records disclosed in full by October 2017. The government had 25 years to release these files. And it is now 2023, and they're still missing thousands of files. Why? Any reasonable person would ask why. Looking at the family, the Kennedy family, that is, needless to say, they had a lot going on. Now, some believe that it was his promising pulling out of the Cold War and the Vietnam War that got him assassinated. The reason for that is because those wars would affect profits from the military industrial complex. Now, the military industrial complex is an industry that makes tons and tons of money, specifically when the U.S. goes to war. The reason for that is because they provide equipment, weapons, jets, those type of things, infrastructure, all this stuff in order for the U.S. to be successful within the war that's going to happen, right? Then you also have people that believe that the John F. Kennedy assassination was just straight up a mob hit. We all know the power that the mafia has, or had rather, and not taken away from anything that they're currently doing because if you live in a New York area, you know and you understand that there are still a few families that's operating within the boroughs. They're probably not as powerful as they once were back in the 80s and the 90s. However, they're still around. There's still a few hits that occur every now and then. Anyone rubs them the wrong way. Depending on who you are, you, you probably won't be living for too long. That's just how it is. John Kennedy's father, Joe Kennedy, was a bootlegger during the probation era. All this money that the family got has been attributed to some of his dirty deeds within that time frame. The Chicago outfit allegedly was involved with helping JFK get elected. Frank Sinatra asked a gentleman by the name of Sam Giacana to help fund the JFK campaign in Illinois, which they did. The mob also ended up funding the JFK campaign in West Virginia. Now, we all know about the mob. When they do you a favor, they're expecting a favor back. Scratch my back, I scratch yours. So with that being said, the mob was looking for some type of assistance. All they really wanted was for big names like Giuliani or even local police to just stay off their back. That's all. Let us operate. We won't hurt nobody. Well, no civilians, that is. But let's just operate and do our thing without no outside interference. At that time, Robert Kennedy was the attorney general, and he apparently played both sides. He was pursuing the mob while benefiting from them. This won't really sit well for too many families. You're either going to help us or you're against us. That's it. To further explain everything that happened with the John F. Kennedy assassination, which made it look really, really suspicious and the reason why a lot of people are talking about it up to this day is that we can even look at the assassination itself and the person that was held re responsible for the assassination. A gentleman by the name of Lee Harvey Oswald was the one that was found responsible for the assassination of JFK. He was killed 
by a guy named Jack Ruby just two days after. Now, prior to Lee Harvey Oswald's death, the FBI had warned Dallas police that there was a threat to kill Lee Harvey Oswald. However, the Dallas Police Department failed to protect him. Jack Ruby actually killed or assassinated Oswald live on camera as he was walking with the cops, I guess, to a holding cell or police station or what have you. Jack Ruby, needless to say, needless to say, he was arrested. And while he was in lockdown, Jack Ruby was visited by a psychiatrist named Louis West. West allegedly worked for the CIA under a program called MKUltra. MKUltra was a mind control program that the government, particularly the CIA, was running during this time. Now, under mind control, there were various drugs and psychedelics that they gave to military personnel, people that were actually training to fight wars. They gave them psychedelics at that time it was acid or something like that jack ruby was visited by uh lewis west like i said after lewis west visited jack ruby he diagnosed ruby as a mentally unstable person mr west has then wrote a gentleman by the name of sydney gottlieb who was pretty much the mastermind of mk ultra he was the one that put the whole program together and in West reaching out to Gottlieb, he mentioned in that letter that he was capable of inducing insanity into people without their awareness. And before we get into this even further, it's important to mention that there was a doctor named William Bevers who actually evaluated Ruby before West visited him and after West had visited Ruby. And he mentioned that Ruby's mental state changed drastically. In addition to that, there were a lot of people that died mysteriously after Ruby's death. There was a journalist by the name of Dorothy Kilgoffin who spoke to Ruby and she also wrote in a previous paper or a previous research paper that the CIA and the mafia worked together. She wasn't specific in terms of their workings or their dealings or what have you, but she did indicate that they worked together. Now, she was adamant in solving the whole JFK Ruby case, right? Now, she wrote a book and gave it to a friend by the name of Florence Smith. Now, you got to follow me really close on this. Kilgoffin was later found dead in her Manhattan apartment. The friend that she gave the book to, who was also a friend of JFK, died one day after Kilgoffin. Picture this. This was a young lady, this journalist, who spoke to Jack Ruby and she also mentioned in the past, prior to her speaking with Jack Ruby, she wrote a book and gave it to a friend, Florence Smith. That same friend died shortly after she died. Gary Underhill, he was a captain during World War II who also associated with high-level CIA officials. He admitted that CIA was involved in the JFK assassination at one point, And he also stated that Oswald was what they call a patsy. And was afraid for his life after the assassination happened. You can be tied to the government and roll out favors for the government. But as soon as a whistleblower comes out of nowhere and the government think that you're going to be next in line to snitch or tell, you probably won't be alive any longer. The government ironically operates like the mafia. And it's funny because 
The government has spent so much time and resources into breaking down the mafia, but yet they engage in a lot of unethical and sometimes criminal-like activities. And it happens all the time. Gary Underhill at that point became very depressed in his position with working with the government. And it gotten to the point where he just wanted to flee the country. And unfortunately, Gary Underhill was later found dead with a self-inflicted wound. When you think about the assassinations that took place, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, as well as the JFK assassination, all have conspiracy undertones associated with them. Martin Luther King family, at one point, they filed the wrongful death civil suit and was awarded $100. The $100, they took that and they gave it to charity. James Earl Ray, who confessed to assassinating Martin Luther King, he later recanted his confession. And there was also a restaurant owner by the name of Lloyd Jowers who owned the restaurant below the hotel where Martin Luther King was shot. Jowers claimed that he hired a hitman for a mafia friend to kill Martin Luther King. So there was all these conspiracies to people, random people who's popping up and saying, okay, well, I did it, I did it. And the attorney that was actually working a case years ago, I I believe they were assisting the King family. He was pursuing the case for 20 years. He argued that the King assassination involved the FBI, the CIA, cops, and the mafia. Eh, I mean, I don't know what the mafia, why the mafia would have wanted Martin Luther King dead. For some strange reason, I can see the FBI, the CIA, and the cops being behind this. J. Edgar Hoover, at that time, he actually ran the FBI, considered Martin Luther King, who was known as the most peaceful man in America, as the most dangerous enemy in the nation. Think about that for a second. A man that was fighting for civil rights was looked at by the man who ran the FBI as the most dangerous man in America. Forget Charles Manson and forget whoever else that was running out there. Well, I don't think Manson was around that time, but forget all the other serial killers that were popping up around that time. To J. Edgar Hoover, Martin Luther King was the most dangerous man in America because of the influence that he had on a black population. And he wanted to do everything in a peaceful manner. Malcolm X, and I spoke about this in one of my previous episodes. Back in February of 2021, there was a deathbed confession by a retired NYPD officer by the name of Ray Wood. He apparently was told by supervisors to convince Malcolm X's security to commit certain crimes so that way they would get locked up and they won't be around when Malcolm X will be giving his speech at the Autobahn Ballroom in Harlem where he was assassinated. Now Malcolm X family is now seeking a $100 million lawsuit against the FBI, NYPD, and the CIA. Now, this story has been, it's been all over the place because apparently there was a young lady that was uh, Ray Wood's daughter who turned around and said that her father never made such confession. 
And there never was a confession accusing the NYPD and the FBI of assassinating Malcolm X. But we all know the FBI has used some of Martin Luther uh, Malcolm X's people to carry out his assassination. As we conclude the segment, there's a few things to take away here. While we can't really confirm everything specifically about the Malcolm X and the Martin Luther King assassinations, we all know that JFK has a lot of unanswered questions, conspiracies, and everything else that ties around it. Because when you really think about it and you look at everything that happened with that family and the things that they did prior to getting into office, anyone can imagine why that family ended up in the state that they ended up. Think about it. The entire family, almost the entire family, has been wiped out in plenty of unfortunate and random events. As a matter of fact, it kind of reminds me of that movie Final Destination. The way that this whole family went out. They call it the Kennedy curse, right? If you're interested into finding out more about the JFK assassination and you want to look into it yourself and you want to figure out what's going on with those thousands and thousands of files that the government is still hiding from us that should have been released 60 years ago, I urge you to continue to do the research because I'm still researching myself. There's also a movie that came out, I want to say back in 98. It was an HBO special called Bonanno. And in that special, they broke down the possible mafia connections with the JFK assassination. I don't want to get too deep into the, to the special right now. If you can somehow just pull it up, take a look at it. I saw that movie once when it came out, and I haven't seen it ever again. I don't know if it's been intentionally hidden or, or, or what have you, but if you're able to find it, take a look at it. It's a very good show, a lot of interesting topics and things like that that's been spoken about or that's been addressed in that film. So you might definitely want to check it out. All right, so it's the Concrete Radio Podcast. Make sure you stick around. We have two more conspiracy theories that we will be touching based on. So you definitely don't want to miss it. If you want to get a hold of me, feel free to shoot me an email. OG Eastwood at the Concrete Radio Podcast dot com. That's OG E-A-Z-T-W-O-O-D at the Concrete Radio Podcast dot com. Message me. I'll be more than happy to get back. Keep it locked, y'all. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. Entertain, educate, and inform. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. I'm your host, OG Eastwood. Thank you for tuning in. If you're locking in for the very first time, be sure to check me out on all streaming services. Or you can find me online, theconcreteradiopodcast.com. As we continue today's program, we're talking about conspiracy theories. When you talk about conspiracies, there's a lot of things that cannot go unmentioned. The one that I'm talking about specifically is 9-11. Now picture this, it's a Thursday morning in September, with just one more day left in the week, you arrive early to plan for an easy Friday, as you unpack your belongings at your desk, you gave into that cup of coffee you debated all morning, you glance at the time, it's 8.30, you figured that's more than enough time to hit up the deli to return and respond to the 46 emails in your inbox. On your way down, you greet every familiar face from company execs, to janitors. As you make your way to the closest deli, you notice that the line is way too long. 
So you go to the second option, one block away. As you look at the time, it reads 8.40. Eh, it's still early enough, which makes your stop more justifiable. You finally arrive at your destination. You place your order, and as you're getting ready to pay, you hear a loud crash. The deli starts shaking. You wonder to yourself, is this an earthquake? But you quickly realize that those are very uncommon in New York. When you step outside, you couldn't help but notice the heavy black smoke and people screaming in pandemonium, running for their lives. Others are just standing in awe, staring at a skyline engulfed in smoke. Is the World Trade Center on fire? It can't be. I just left the building. As you rationalize with yourself. As you reach the vantage point, debris is flying everywhere. The sky is filled with black smoke. The air becomes polluted. You're coughing more than you've ever coughed before. When you finally had the opportunity, you looked at the building you occupied just 15 minutes ago. And shortly after... A plane graces the skyline and collides with the South Tower at 2 World Trade Center. As you stand in shock, panic, and disbelief, your adrenaline starts pumping and you run for dear life. Blocks away, you gather yourself as you try to comfort those around you and those around you try to comfort you. Everyone looks at the buildings with fear and confusion and asks, What's happening? See, for some, this was a first-hand account of what happened on that fateful morning. However, others weren't as lucky to escape the tragedy. When the smoke cleared, it was found that our country has been a target of a terrorist attack by Al-Qaeda. As a result, national security has heightened and America has declared an all-out war on terror. As terrible as 9-11 was, there's been plenty of conspiracies surrounding the tragic day. One of them that stands out in particular was Larry Silverstein. Now, he was a developer of the World Trade Center, and he opted into a terrorism insurance coverage prior to the attacks. He took the insurance company to court after the attacks, looking to be paid double since both buildings were attacked. Receiving a $4.5 billion settlement. Now, if you think that was bad, he also turned around and tried to get $12.3 billion in damages from the airline and airport security stating that they failed to prevent terrorists from hijacking the planes. There was a lot that's been happening surrounding the events of 9-11. There was a lack of clarification if Bush knew about the attacks ahead of time. There's evidence that suggests that he did, but there's also talks that debunked those evidence. There was a former FBI chief of counterterrorism. His name was John O'Neill. He apparently knew about the attacks. In fact, he's been notifying his superiors about bin Laden years ago. Years. This is we're talking about when the when the World Trade Center was first attacked back in '93. He's been telling his superiors about Bin Laden, about the things that he got up his sleeve. And he was apparently oust by the FBI. Now, you know, when you're working at a job and you have that one guy that's like 
all into his job, that one person that's all into his job and he has all this intel, all this information, and he's even trying to tell you how to do your job. He seemed like one of those type of guys. But the only difference is John O'Neill, he actually put in countless hours and dedication into understanding what terrorism is, how it works, and what it looked like. So if anyone knew anything about terrorism, it would have been John O'Neill. Guess what happened to John O'Neill? After he was pushed out of the FBI, he went on to become the chief of security of the World Trade Center. But unfortunately, John O'Neill died during the attacks. If you recall back to when 9-11 happened, it's been said that a lot of key people that worked in the towers did not show up to work that day. I personally knew someone that worked in the building. This person was a construction worker back in his native country. He said he noticed some cables in the building on one of the higher floors. I forgot exactly what floor it was, but this gentleman was well familiar with construction, demolition devices, these uh, type of things. According to him, he noticed that there were a few cables that were used during demolitions. When you turn on the TV or you look at videos of buildings that's being demolished, not with the wrecking ball, but by explosives, you would see that these buildings fall a certain way. He said that he specifically noticed these cables and he wondered to himself, what are these cables for? Lo and behold, shortly after, 9-11 happened. We can dig deep into the whole relationship between Bush and Bin Laden. Because in case you didn't know, the Bush family really did have a relationship with Bin Laden. And it also makes you want to question, did George Bush Jr. really wanted to capture Bin Laden? Because as you can see, his whole claim to fame was the whole Saddam Hussein being captured, which was pretty much part two of what Bush Sr. started. But anyway, before I digress even further, we can look at the relationship between Bush and Bin Laden. And uh, back when the U.S. had troops in the mountains of Afghanistan, they literally had the mountains surrounded. This was the mountain where Bin Laden was supposedly hiding. The commanders pleaded for the administration, the Bush administration, to send for at least 800 more troops. But somehow, some way, Bin Laden got away. You know, when I was a kid back in the day, I used to play this video game on um, the computer. It was called Carmen San Diego. And as you can see, it seemed like Bin Laden had pulled the strategy out of Carmen San Diego's playbook and he just disappeared. Couldn't be found. Bush and Bin Laden's relationship goes all the way back to the 70s. In 1978, Bush Jr. founded Arbusto Energy. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name. But they founded Arbusto Energy with Osama's brother, Salim Bin Laden. 
which is basically an uh, an oil company that was based in Texas. The Bin Laden family also invested in the Carlyle Group, which was a global equity firm where Bush Sr. served as a senior advisor. On 9-11, members of the Carlyle Group and Bush Sr. met at the Ritz-Carlton in D.C. Guess who was in attendance? A gentleman by the name of Shafiq Bin Laden, who was also Osama's brother. Now, while flights were halted after the attacks, the White House authorized planes to pick up 24 members of Bin Laden's family, where they lived in various U.S. cities, and they took them to Saudi Arabia. So, as you can see, there's plenty of unanswered questions. There's plenty of things that's been happening or that happened with 9-11, that makes you question, what is going on here? We've lost so many people during 9-11. Thousands and thousands of citizens died in 9-11. And for me, it becomes a problem when you target innocent people that have nothing to do with anything You target them and you turn them into victims. What makes this even more crazy is that you have a president at the time that was working with this guy's family. As you fast forward to today, we have the same situation that's going on with our administration working with the so-called enemy. But I'm going to talk more about that in the next segment. But to keep it focused On what we're talking about now, 9-11, a lot of people feel it was an inside job. Why was the Bush family working with Bin Laden? And if what I was told was true with the demolition cables in the Twin Towers, why were they there? Why was Bush Sr. a head advisor of a group that included the Bin Laden family? We all know that Bush family made a lot of money dealing oil. Bin Laden made a lot of money dealing oil. It's highly suspicious to see that both parties were working with each other. And then 9-11 happened. It makes you wonder, was there a promise that wasn't kept between Bush and Bin Laden? Who knows? It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. Feel free to shoot me an email, ogeastwood at theconcreteratedpodcast.com. Make sure you stick around. We will finish up today's conspiracy program with our final segment, U.S. Relation with China. We'll get into it. Keep it locked. It's the Concrete Rated Podcast. Entertain, educate, and inform. It's the Concrete Rated Podcast. I'm your host, OG Eastwood. I appreciate you tuning in. Since the mid-40s, the U.S. and China's relationship has been rocky. While the U.S. maintains its superpower status, China isn't too far behind. Due to its population and dedication in growing its economy, experts believe that China will become a superpower by 2050. In recent years, China has established itself as the biggest competitor to the U.S. And just like a nosy neighbor peeking over your fence... The country has been on a mission 
to find out what's been cooking in our front yard. In releasing an alleged spy balloon passed off as a meteorology tool and infiltrating the American behavior through social media apps like TikTok, there's no telling how far the CCP will go to gain an advantage. To further complicate things, China is the origin of one of the deadliest viruses which claimed 6.8 million lives worldwide. As a result, our government enforced a nationwide lockdown, ultimately costing us $16 trillion. The average American would consider this a big deal and would hope that the people in charge would do something about it. But no, instead the ones we trust to run our country is shaking hands under the table with a country that's been allegedly spying on us for years. Imagine one of your biggest rivals inviting you over for dinner. Everyone already knows you're not too fond of each other. And to top it all off, you present them with expensive gifts. If that's not enough, your chief medical advisor suddenly steps down after being accused of allegedly funding an experiment which led to the deadly pandemic. From the outside looking in, is it all coincidence? Can all these events just magically line up? Or is it more to it? Was COVID a man-made virus that was accidentally leaked by the Chinese government? Or was it released intentionally to disrupt our economy in hopes of giving China a boost? In breaking down the stats when it comes to COVID, the COVID death toll is 1.1 million. Keep in mind that the U.S. population is 331 million. China's death toll has been said to have been 87,468, while China's population is 1.4 billion. Granted, nobody believes that China's death toll with COVID is only 87,468. They feel that China is hiding or not being honest about these numbers, to say the least. When it comes to the vaccine, as of April 2022, CDC data indicates that 60% of the people that died of COVID-related issues were vaccinated or boosted. Now, that number keeps increasing year after year after year. There's plenty of things to consider when you think about the vaccine, COVID, and everything else, right? So this may go twofold. The first thing that you might think of, was COVID leaked from a lab in China or was it man-made? Or was the leak intentional? We all know that Anthony Fauci claimed that he did not fund gain-of-function research in China, which pretty much allowed studies into these quote-unquote bat viruses and things like that. Man-made viruses in the lab. He's claiming that we had, or the U.S., had nothing to do with that. Meanwhile, there were evidence that suggested that he did fund these experiments. China has been denying that they are responsible for creating COVID. But guess what? All fingers points directly at China. 
The only thing that we're not 100% sure of, if it was released intentionally or if it was an accidental leak. Because the way anybody can look at it, or if you are a person that, not necessarily a conspiracy theorist, but if you're a person that thinks about things a lot and want to consider all aspects before you make a final decision, one can easily think like, okay, if China was studying this disease, then obviously they would know how to control said disease, whether it's new or not. It's like a mad scientist in a lab working on a project, creating something, and somehow it gets out somewhere. They wouldn't know how to contain it. They wouldn't know how to control it, which is probably why that their death toll is only 84,000. I apologize, 87,000 to our million and, and some change, which keeps climbing. They would know how to handle it. This is slightly off topic, but it has everything to do with what's happening in today's climate when it comes to China and the power and the influence that they have, right? TikTok, which seems to be the most used social media platform today. When you look at China's version of TikTok versus the U.S. version of TikTok, and just to be clear, TikTok has been created in China. The version that they use in China is completely different than what we have access to here in the U.S. Chinese are only able to use it for a certain amount of time. And in China, TikTok is educational-based. So, for instance, if you're a child, it suggests science projects that you can do at home and all these fun things that you can actually learn from. Meanwhile, the American version, it tracks the user's behavior. It also pushes dance trends and a bunch of unproductive things that keep our youth disengaged with everything else and hyper-focused on TikTok. It's like getting like a, a, a shot of, of crack and you're just on TikTok all night, all night. I currently work in the school setting and a lot of these students, this is a middle school, a lot of these students, they come to school tired and having conversations with them. You ask them, why are you so tired? Oh, I've been up all night. I've been on Instagram. I've been on TikTok. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. Everything is relating to social media. Whereas in China, all that stuff cuts off at a certain time. So you don't have access to be on TikTok or any one of these social media platforms doing ratchet things. A few weeks ago, there was a so-called spy balloon floating over Utah for quite some time until the Biden administration finally decided to shoot it down a few days after. They shot it down in the sea. They gathered the debris and they apparently started doing tests on it to see whether or not if it was actually a spy balloon. The president of China said, no, it wasn't a spy balloon. You just damaged one of our meteorology tools. Now we can't do what we're trying to do with the weather. So with that being said, it made China look at us crazy. But meanwhile, we can never forget the relationship that Biden and the president of China has with each other. Right. So when you put these things together, 
You look at COVID, the start of COVID, where it came from, whether or not if it started in China, everything points to China being responsible for creating a virus. But yet we've got Biden and his son going to China and presenting gifts and rubies and thousands, hundreds and thousands of dollars to the Chinese government while we got all this other stuff going on. Just recently, Vladimir Putin met with the president of China. Now, a lot of people might look at it and be like, oh, you know, that's not a bad thing. Then there will be others that's looking at it as a major concern. Because why are we comfortable in having the president of China get comfortable with another country that we're not 100% fond of? So we got China and Russia who are supreme powers, very powerful countries. They're sitting there shaking hands and kissing babies with each other. While we're on this side of the world trying to fund Ukraine, who's getting ripped to shreds between the administration going back and forth with China and doing these things under the table. The last thing that we need is China and Russia to continue to build a relationship which could possibly take us out in terms of our superpower status because once they combine and they decide that they're tired of the u.s and their shenanigans and our weak leadership and things like that and they want to go to war then there you have it in the blink of an eye world war three that would be the last thing that we need right now why would you ask if this is an actual conspiracy between the u.s and China in terms of who started COVID and where it came from? The answer is simple. Anthony Fauci and the Chinese government knows exactly what's been going on. Fauci has been caught in quite a few lies and he could not justify where those funds went that he spent over there in China. Turned out that he was responsible And funding these experiments, COVID happened. They came out with a vaccine that was created in a short few months, rolled it out, made it mandatory. And as a result, the pharmaceutical industry made tons of money off of these COVID vaccines. What made it interesting is that they made everybody They forced, pretty much forced everybody to do it because I don't care what nobody say. If you allow companies to say you cannot work here unless you get this vaccine, that's pretty much forcing somebody to do something because, yeah, you might choose, okay, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to get vaccinated. And guess what? You're not going to be working. And then if you can't work, you can't support your family. If you can't support your family, then what are you going to do? Try to have the government take care of you. I can imagine if he tried to take your family into a shelter because you were evicted from your home. How is that going to work out? Oh, because you probably needed to be vaccinated to stay in a shelter anyway, right? So what was the purpose of this? Was it to force Americans 
into taking a vaccine? Was it to have America boost pharmaceutical companies and make billions of dollars? We'll never really know. The only thing that we really know is that there were some shady dealings with Anthony Fauci and those labs in China. There's been shady dealings with this current administration and the Chinese government. We'll never really know what happened during those conversations, but we know that money were exchanged under the table between the U.S. and China. What does the U.S. have to show for it? Absolutely nothing. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. That's all for our program today. I appreciate you tuning in. If you want to reach out to me, feel free to shoot me an email, ogeastwood at theconcreteradiopodcast.com. That's O-G-E-A-Z-T-W-O-O-D at theconcreteradiopodcast.com. That's concrete with a K. I know you know by now, but I'm just spelling it out for those who are locking in for the very first time. And once again, I appreciate everybody that's been sharing the program. I urge you to please continue to do so. I saw significant growth while I was out, and I hope that you continue to do so. I appreciate everybody tuning in once again. Our new listeners out in Sweden, Italy, Japan, Israel, a few countries tapping in for the very first time, Saudi Arabia. I really appreciate the love and the downloads. Please continue to do so. All my friends here in the U.S., Appreciate that support, UK. I see you. I love you. I appreciate the support once again. Bangladesh, Canada, everyone has been checking in very heavy, and I love it. All my local cities, of course, Brooklyn, the five boroughs, Long Island, Florida, Houston, Dallas, Chicago, LA. I appreciate you all. It's so many countries and cities to name. I greatly appreciate your support. And I ask you to continue to do so. Everyone be safe. Take care of each other. And until next time, it's Concrete Radio Podcast. Entertain, educate, and inform. I'm out.